Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thinking of starting a podcast? We'll try Anchor. It's free, easy to use, and its creation tools allow you to record and edit directly from your phone or computer. It'll even take care of distribution for you with a single tap so you can be heard on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Also, Anchor is the only place you can publish video podcasts directly to Spotify. Man, you can even make money using Anchor in a couple of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. It's truly everything you need in one place to make a podcast. So make sure to go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy Mac. Joining me today are good friends of the show, Mr. Dan Galinsky, Amadou So, Justin Brownlow, all of the King James Gospel. It's always good to get these guys together to talk basketball because there's just so many diverse opinions about everybody up and down the roster. So it's always good to have you gentlemen back. Let's go right on down the line. Dan, how you doing? Doing really well, Mac. Uh, thanks for having us as always, man. Amadou, how's it going? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Justin, last but not least, man. How's it going? I'm always good. Uh, with that being said, after last night's win, I just felt completely, I, I mean, it was euphoric. I don't know how you guys took the win, but it just kind of seemed like everything came together at the right moment. And so first question of the day, and I'll hand this one to Amadou first. Amadou, is it too early to proclaim uh, proclaim Evan Mobley the best player from his draft class? Like, I mean, we've seen a pretty good start to the season by guys like Scotty Barnes to this point. Are you comfortable in proclaiming that? Is Evan Mobley the best player from this uh, from this current draft class? Honestly, yeah, yeah. You know, until we see K do something, I can say that Mobley's just his ability to be great both on offense and defense, you know has been extremely helpful for the Cavaliers. I mean, his first game of his career, he had, what, 15, I think, nine and six, six assists from a seven-footer at 20 years old is, is, is incredible. I mean, man, he's he's changed everything about this franchise. I, I mean, I can't begin to fathom the last rookie. I mean, maybe Kyrie Irving, but even then, I don't know another rookie within the Cavs organization who's received this just much positive feedback, this much positive media, uh, positive press, just praise from all around the league, not just Cavs fans. So, I mean, anytime you have GMs voting you to be the most likely to be the best player, I think five years down the line, it's a good sign. And so Mobley, I think, has rewarded us. And, you know, with the, with the draft decision, of course, you know, he kind of fell into Cleveland's lap. You're not going to, you're not going to not select Mobley, right? At three. Uh, Cade was off the board. Green was off the board. Mobley was the surefire pick. We knew that was going to happen. But Dan, I'm going to present the same question to you. Do you feel comfortable proclaiming Evan Mobley as the best player from his draft class? Uh, 
Right now, I think I have to, um, just because as Amadou touched on, we haven't seen Kate in there yet. Um, I, I think played sparingly in preseason, um, just given that ankle. But yeah, what Evans has been able to do really from the jump, um, in almost at times not even really looking like he's knowing what he's doing fully on the offensive end in terms of like on ball. Um, he, that's I, I'm not saying that in a bad way. He's just been a phenomenal passer for a big. Uh, his it, honestly, his skip passes are just it, something special on it uh, to me. And um, the KG like long term comp is is here to stay. I believe. Yeah, I mean, and the passing, just the 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 control that he has from the elbow, I'd love to see that too. Justin, if you had to see, if you had to say one thing that Mobley has to work on uh, through these past three games from what you've seen, what would you say that would be? Like any of the guys that come out, the bigs that come out, I think he needs to put on weight and get more physical down on the block. Um, but also, I, I saw you uh, tweeting about it the other day, Mac, and you were talking about Jared Allen with it. I, I think uh, one area that's clearly that he can improve on is his rebounding. I think him and Allen should both be pretty close to 10 rebounds a game, in my opinion. But um, Otherwise, other than that, I've been incredibly impressed with him. Like you guys know, I wasn't really that high on him. I've been incredibly impressed so far. He he hasn't had to force anything. He's been a real disruptor on defense. Um, so I would say he's the best answer. To the other question, and I think he could work on his rebounding. And I just don't force his shot because the shot's going to come with it, and he isn't forcing anything right now. So. That's fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, a guy of his caliber just has shown so few weaknesses already, but no player is beyond reproach and no player is beyond, you know, constructive criticism, which is very helpful, especially for rookies. Uh, Moving on. Conversely, we see a guy like Colin Sexton continuously, you know, just just given flack for not being a distributor of the basketball. Now, I know all of you had to have seen the clip that I posted the other day. Uh, I'm proud of myself. I created that. It took me a little bit of time, but I went through those games and there was a ton of potential assists that were missed and not factoring in last night's game against Atlanta, of course, when shots started to fall. But do you guys feel more comfortable and more confident in Colin Sexton turning into a respectable playmaker just purely based upon what you've seen through these first three games? Dan, I'm going to hand this one to you first. Yeah, I absolutely do. I think last season, the the growth really was there. Um, last year, in terms of combo guards, because that's what he is, and he's not going to be like fully one or two, um, was in the 67th percentile um, in terms of assist rate uh, per cleaning glass. So the I think the continued progression that he's shown is, is kind of building off that. And that game against the Hawks, Really, I, I thought that really jumped out what he was able to do. Um, his really earlier in his career, the first two years, really didn't was not able to hit like dump offs very well, didn't have feel for that, would take t- like tough contested twos. Um, it's been good to see him. There have been a number of instances where guys have just missed or kind of like fumbled the passes, but I, I, I buy what he's been able to do in that regard. Yeah. Amadou, how about you, man? Do you, do you really see the growth? In that area, because I, I, you know, I can't be alone. It's good to hear Dan echo these same things. And we even heard uh, Cleveland legend Brad Doherty kind of saying some of the same types of things. Do you really feel like he's going to develop into a respectable playmaker? I actually do. 
because there's two plays that I look out. That one driving kick to Laurie Markinen was a fantastic, beautiful play. man, beautiful play. And the other one where he drove, he drove and like dished it off to Jared Allen, who then made an extra pass. So I believe it was Laurie Markinen again. Those are plays that you know advanced playmakers do make. So I do believe that he'll make strides as a playmaker. I think the biggest thing is just his teammates have to hit shots. You know, I mean, over the last couple of years, you talk about his assist numbers, but look who he's been playing with. So obviously, you know, the, the potential is just so that, you know, he he can pass the ball. He's trying. He's, he's trying. trying. He's exactly. never going to be, to me, he's never going to have the vision that uh, Ricky Rubio or maybe even, you know, to a lot of extent, Darius Garland. But he's trying. And I think that that counts for something, especially after hearing for so long that this guy is a ball hog. He's selfish. He's only looking out for himself. All he is is a scorer on a bad team. I'm I'm sure that these guys are not, you know, they, they don't they can't tune all of these things out. They hear them. They're human. They're just they're human, just like the rest of us. So I'm sure some of these things has, you know, has gotten to have gotten under his skin. And it's it's very, very encouraging to see him finally, you know, showing some progress in that regard. And that's not to say we didn't see it last year, because even last season when he averaged, I believe, 4.4 assists, he was, you know, doing some of the same things, uh, but they were, you know, fewer, fewer opportunities to do so. And even when he was given those opportunities, he often would take them to put up bad shots. And we did see that. That's one thing that I can say, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say, I don't see some of the faults here because they're there. They're inherently there. They've been there for the last three seasons, but from, from these least first three games, it appears that Sexton has gotten a little bit more comfortable as a playmaker and as uh, you know, just an all around teammate, he's trying to get his team involved. I, I just, I don't understand the mindset behind continuously putting this guy down. <laughs> I just, I don't get it. I'm, I'm hoping that uh, those assist numbers will continue to go up, but it will be, remain forever contingent upon his teammates hitting those uh, wide open looks in which they did for the most part on his time uh, in his time on the court against Atlanta. He was in foul trouble, but uh, they, those shots were dropping, which was definitely encouraging to see. Justin, I want to hand this next question off to you. Um, we talked about this, I believe, on the last episode, Dan and Amadou. But Justin, I want to hear your viewpoint on this. Uh, Markinen versus Okora for the starting job. Are you really satisfied with what you've seen, like production-wise, from Lowry to this point? Like, because although his shots really aren't falling at a high clip, he has, you know, he's been a spacer out there. That's apparent. That's one thing. I think that was the biggest thing. Uh, for including him within the starting lineup. So I guess my question to you is, have you, are you, are you really satisfied with what you've seen from him to, uh, in order to justify him remaining the starter? Uh, yeah, I'll say I'm sold on him just because I don't think Okoro's necessarily, like I look at him as kind of like a Trey Lance in the NFL where he's just really not ready to take on a starting role. And I know he was had it last year, but I think he's getting better coming off the bench. And he also provides a little bit of a spark off the bench. Um, and uh, like I said, I kind of I am sold on uh, marketing just because he is a floor spacer. And I think one of the better, like you guys know me, I've, I've been a hater of Colin Sexton a lot. Um, but he's really impressed me in the way that like he clearly once the Cavs have put better players around him, he clearly understands that. And he clearly is now looking to dish more. I mean, no offense to you, Dan, but like passing to Lori marketing for a corner three is probably a little bit better than uh, 
uh, Dean Wade. So I, it, it's just, I, I, I think Saxon is playing better and I just don't think you can go back to a Coro right now um, as a starter. So I guess by default, I would stay with marketing. Okay. Yeah. Um, conversely, you know, Coro, he's, I think he's averaged eight points, three rebounds, a little under two assists. He's shooting 50% from the field, but still, 20% from range. That is not encouraging. That's not an encouraging start you want to see from that point, at least. But everything else he's doing seems to point, you know, pointing in the right direction. Defensively, he's looking much better. Uh, and, and, and just my opinion. Uh, as a cutter, he's still trying to find those opening lanes. And he has, man. He's, he's had some, some highlight real plays. And he's played some uh, pretty good defense on some, some stars to start this season. Uh, and I know, you know, if you read my article, you would see that, you know, just looking at the box score stats against John ja Morant, you would think that Okoro just got torched completely, but I don't think that was the case. Um, you know, he dealt with foul trouble through a good portion of that game. And when he was the primary defender on Morant, he oftentimes would force Morant into a bad shot or, you know, have to have Morant call for a screen. So I think those are things in, in, in Okoro fighting over screens. That's a whole nother story, but I think from what we've seen from Okoro, there is there has been some growth, just not enough to this point to uh, to, to offset with what Markinen brings to the table from a spacing standpoint. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about that, so I'm honestly just wanting to hear your opinion, Amadou. Does what Okoro do defensively, at least through these first three games, you know, does that, one does that stick out to you as an improvement, and two? What he offers defensively, does it offset what Markinen adds as a spacer? Well, answering the first question, yeah, you can definitely see Okoro's improvement just because he's not as foul prone as he was, you know, to start the year, of course, you know, as his career goes on, he'll be less and less. Indeed. And two, like you said, the ability to just fight over the screens and just kind of harass those opposing point guards with his strength, you know, is definitely great from him. Uh, for the second question, however, I don't think it's tough. I don't really think his defense is enough to warrant him starting. But I also I I, I haven't liked Larry Market number three. Honestly, I had wished that they, you know, would get somebody to fill that role. But as of right now, I don't think so. Honestly, with, with how Mobley and Jared Allen are playing with spacing, you know, Larry Market being in that corner, if it's a core role and the, uh, the paint gets clogged up, I don't think that'll be, you know, something to watch. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely growth there, but I don't know, like you said, I don't know if what he brings to the table from a defensive standpoint really offsets what marketing brings. And conversely yeah. with marketing, I I don't know if I can agree with the latter point. I know that the you know the stat sheet will tell you that he played horrendously in last night's mm -hmm. game, but um, there are little things there. He he's still going to forever remain, you know, a step behind some of the truer position forwards at the three, just because that's not, you know, he's not naturally physically built that way. But I think his length is something that uh will continue to aid him at least to kind of I don't know, balance it out. Time's gonna tell, you know, whether or not a long-term fit he is in the starting lineup, but I'm just not completely sold on uh, Markinen as a bench player at this point, based upon what we've seen. I think he, 
I think there is a precedent there for him to be able to, you know, coalesce with the likes of Mobley and Allen, especially for, for what those guys do defensively. They are a astounding backline of defense. Uh, there's significant growth there from Allen. Mobley looks years ahead of his time. It's just, man, it's been highly encouraging. Dan, have you seen enough from marketing to keep him in the starting lineup? Well, I don't know if I've seen enough, but I have to, at this point, the cat's out of the bag. They put him in there from the jump. So you might as well see how it's going to progress and play out. Uh, And I I didn't necessarily think that, like, I I thought it would take a little bit of time, like from a rotational um, perspective for Mobley and Allen to really kind of play off each other. Well, Um, defensively, they've been outstanding and I think with those two there I guess at this point they got to just think that the things are going to average out and Markin's going to have some big games here and get it rolling uh I initially thought regardless of if he was going to start or not um that Markin would kind of start slow just given that it's a new situation uh playing off other teammates um And I just thought it might take some time, regardless of, again, if he was going to start or be like kind of a super sub guy. I think at this point, you kind of have to just roll with it. And I'm with you in that last game. I know you didn't shoot the ball well. And it was quite frankly frustrating because it really the box score was ugly. I mean, if you're if you're not watching the game, you would think that he completely just sucked, dude. But but he was he was active, I would say. Like you could tell he was starting to feel things out better, especially in the second half. And just I just want to see like the thing is if they're gonna put him at the three and play him there a lot, they have to find ways to like he's gotta just like get in the mid post and just shoot over guys. Like they they can't just like I get that he's a spacer. You, you got to involve him in that way too, and, and I and he's going to have to go to the basket a little bit, just enough to keep guys honest, and then he'll be able to get back to that face up game and or, um, and they got to use some pick and pops with him a little bit too. Oh um, yeah, yeah. But it, we've it, seen we've seen them utilize rel- uh, love in that role to begin the right, season, right? And it, it just for now, yeah they they need to keep keep it going and and trust that considering this is year five for him that he'll he'll find his footing yeah i certainly hope so i mean i think we saw him trying to show some semblance of uh, a return to form within the paint in the preseason but we haven't seen it thus far in the regular season i think that some of these guys are still trying to figure out fits next to each other especially when you have a primary you know a guy that's predominantly playing out of the paint in Jared Allen and Mobley, who, you know, he, he can work his way outside, but he's still a work in progress there. So he he is still often seen inhabiting the painted area. So I think marketing in that regard is still trying to figure out just like what the hell am I, uh, where are my looks going to come from and just kind of making the best of those. And while he hasn't exactly sunk a lot of his, uh, a lot of his shot attempts, it's, I think it's encouraging to at least see him, you know, out there trying to give it his all. And, you know, to the point that I made about defense, I think that's that's just something you're going to have to live with. Um, he's going to remain a step behind some of these guys at that position. But that's just kind of the trade off when you're you're putting a guy who's seven foot tall out there uh, at three. Not many can move, you know, uh, fast enough or quick enough to keep up with some of these guys. And we saw 
uh, I think it was uh, Desmond Bain, maybe on a couple of plays. We, we've seen people take advantage of marketing's slow footedness, but as time goes on, it's, it's just really going to, it's going to be telling to see whether or not JB continues to roll out this starting lineup. Uh, but with that being said, let's go ahead and talk some Ricky Rubio. I mean, the guy, he looks comfortable as the starter. He looks comfortable coming off the bench as like a super sub. The guy's just a flat out floor general and he's shooting 45% from deep. <laughs> I know it's only been three games, but I, I truly believe the guy can have a career year if he remains a Cavalier all season. But with that being said, that's that's just the question, isn't it? Because he's he's really going to draw a ton of interest from contenders, uh, especially if Cleveland is not really in play-in or playoff territory. So, uh, Justin, I'll hand this question off to you first. Do you think the Cavs should work towards signing him to a long-term extension, even though they have all these other extensions mounting? You still got Sexton to worry about. Yeah, uh, no, I, I just think that you have to kind of see how the season goes, but it's kind of hard to justify giving, you know, a decent contract to a guy like Ricky Rubio when you still have to hopefully, you know, resign or give a sex in an extension and uh, eventually uh, uh, Darius Garland as well. Um, I, in all honesty right now, if I think if we're being honest, I think he's probably the best starting point guard on the roster right now. Uh, okay, see, this is, this is what I was wanting to get into. And I so... Know. This is what I was wanting to get into. And I know Dan is chomping at the bit to get in here. So I'm going to let you finish your point, Justin. But Dan, immediately, I want you to weigh in on this. Yeah, I mean, I think he's the best point guard on the uh, roster. Um, I, in no way do I think he should um, uh, start over Garland because you're kind of messing with your first-round pick from two years ago and his confidence and all that and the fact that he's injury-prone. I don't know. I'm ready to hear what Dan says, too. So let's go to Dan. Spicy take alert. Dan, what you got to say, man? Well, um, I, I echo what Justin said. I, I'm not saying, like, when he's back and, and fully uh, – well, mostly healthy, I would imagine, if the swelling isn't too much of an issue. Uh, yeah, I, they, they need to start growing when, if – if and when he's he's back, but maybe What's it's the not case Rubio? to be made. What is the case to be made for Rubio starting? Is there a solid one there? Okay, um, give me your honest opinion, Dan. Don't give me no analytical. No, 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 no. no I'm not. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. But I was just gonna say it's interesting you bring up the extension thing. I think after this, like, I really don't want to see Rubio traded throughout the season. I, I really don't. That's Nor do part, I. It, that's part of the take for one. Um, but from there, I, I think it really behooved the Cavs uh, to, if they have to give him, I, I don't have a, a, a number amount right now. But in the offseason, like, you can't be thinking, of, like, they need to extend Colin Chur. You can't be thinking about, like, a Garland extension. Like, you need, you have to have Rubio around. Like, this is just what I'm getting at. And if you have to give him, like, a, a decent deal, like, a, say like a three-year like mid-level deal which to me if he's going to be in age 32 next season is not like nothing but you need to keep him around like that has to be that's like your priority like number two not like nearly sexton level in next offseason but they have to do whatever the hell they can to keep him around and you can't be thinking garland extension from there like it, they got to do what they have to do i, I want to keep Garland around but 
if you have to, if, if they, if Rubio departs, man, you're asking, uh, you're putting a lot of chips into Garland. And I'm just saying, I, I know that necessarily last season, it wasn't like a ton of games in the year prior, but we know damn well Garland's injury prone. And let's face it, the guy does not look like Holland. Like he's just not that developed physically. And I love, I, I like the player. I really do. I'm just saying they have to do what the hell they can to keep Rubio around. And if you have to give him the mid-level next offseason for multiple years, you better damn do it. Because if they lose him, that could be a huge issue. Indeed. Amadou, you care to weigh in on this? Because I got something I got to ask after, but I want to hear your take too. I'll say this about Rubio. I'm tired of the Cavs just always trading these vets that excel, you know, certain roles or just letting them walk for nothing and just continuously like bringing new guys to replace them. Especially we, a guard, man. Exactly. We, we need to start building some chemistry, you know, building a foundation. I know Rubio's 32, but I could see him here for the next, you know, three or so years. 32 is the dude, 22, man. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's not like his game is relying. His it's not like his game is relying on anything like athleticism. He was already never a really, you know, great shooter at that. But we see just how great he can be as a facilitator. Um, so yeah, I I don't want to trade him. Now, on the topic of if there's an argument from the start, I don't think there's any argument at all. Unless Garland is hurt, that's the only way I'll see Rubio starting. I think Garland is that starter. Fair enough. I gotta ask this, and I'm sure I'm gonna get killed for it, but. I'm still going to ask anyways. We know Philadelphia covets Darius Garland. How would you feel about including Garland in a Ben Simmons swap? Assuming that they would still be interested. We know that the direction there is still heading south. I don't think they're going to be able to patch things up. But his value appears to be at uh, an all-time low right now. So if you could acquire a player like Ben Simmons at least from a playmaker standpoint for Darius Garland, who's still under contract for a few more seasons. Would you consider doing that? If that meant you're going to start Ben next to Sexton and bringing Rubio off the bench, Amadou, would you consider that? Uh, I can't, I'm sorry. I think even, even uh, I think the whole thing with Ben Simmons, you know, accepting coming to Cleveland was that he would play alongside Darius Garland because they're like clutch guys, whatever. I don't know, but I just wouldn't. I'm sorry. I mean, he's Ben is like he's 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 unplayable in the playoffs. We've seen it time and time and time again. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. I mean, I understand you know the playmaking thing, the defensive thing, but it's like if he starts, he's going to be starting alongside probably what Allen and and Mobley too. And the Cavs just their whole thing this year has been spacing. So is that going to work? I I truly doubt it. So. I'd have to be out on that one because of that right there. Fair enough. Dan, what say you? I agree with Hamadou. I, I just think with him, there's there's obviously the like shooting woes or the fact that this this is a guy that is a max guy and is afraid to shoot. Um that that's just not great. And whether he's been working on it or not, um I think it was Shaq that said recently, like on his pod, I can't remember what it's called, it's like the big pod or something. And pretty much just said, like, Ben Simmons saying, like, the Bucks won a title even with Giannis not having a jumper. You can already tell, and even in the playoffs last season and throughout last season, Giannis has been working his ass off. To oh, yeah, it's completely different with Giannis because Giannis ain't afraid to, to take it. Right. And, 
the problem is with Ben also, he's going to swallow the development of, of other guys. And you're putting a ton of undue pressure on Markman. If, if he's your one and I'm just, and the other, other issue I have, I'll, I'll make it short. Ben Simmons attitude. Like if you're going out and, and giving up your franchise one, and you got to think you're probably giving up two ones in addition to that. And Kevin Love, like he, I mean, the guy's still an impact shooter. If you're putting your chips in for Ben Simmons, is that really the super, like, quote unquote, star that you want to put your chips into? The guy is anything, like, anything but a leader and is a pain in the ass. So, like, how childish he's been right now. That's just not a good sign. Like to me, I get that his values plummeted maybe on the trade market. I just, I don't want that guy in my frickin' locker room, man. <laughs> this is not a guy I'm blowing up my entire future for, for just how he's been, like, and basically a little brat. So I'm good on that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Justin, you can't weigh in on this hypothetical trade. The biggest problem we have about the Cavs, uh, we've seen this year, is they don't have any wing players. Um, I mean, if you're talking about bringing in Ben Simmons in and playing him at the three, he's basically just like a little bit of an upgrade over a Coro. Uh, he's just a defensive player and playing him at the three. He's not, he's not a shooter. Uh, he can distribute the ball. And overall, I agree with Dan. He's I, there's, he has done nothing right in the last seven to eight months. Um, I, I, I wouldn't touch him with a 10 foot pole. Okay. I definitely understand the viewpoint behind that. I wouldn't necessarily advocate for a Simmons trade, but I'll say this. I think that he does have value in a few areas and to the point of him being basically a little bit of an upgrade over Okoro. I don't know, man. The guy is a perennial all defensive type player. So I think that's a big thing right there. Okoro ain't there yet. Um, and I'm not sure at his size, if he'll, if he'll be able to truly get to at least that height of uh of defensive versatility that uh right. Ben Simmons could from a playmaking standpoint is that not this is that not what we want one of those things uh for a core to develop in um as as a secondary or tertiary playmaker i think that's definitely high up on the list there right up there with being able to have a consistent 3 so you know with that being said i think there's a couple of precedents there i, I wouldn't necessarily make the deal uh, you know, if, if a gun was to my head, but I, I will say this, there is definitely a precedent there, uh, a precedent there for it. If, you know, the price is right. And in regards to Darius Garland, like I'm not ready to give up on Garland, but to Dan's point, I think he has developed the injury prone moniker. And from a physical standpoint, these things, these ailments, they continuously pile up and I'm not going to, you know, sit here and tell you that, uh, you know, I don't think he'll ever get healthy. Just like that's the kind of like the same way I feel like Windler and Windler's in a class in his own in regards to injuries. But I do think that Garland, you know, that is a major, major flaw with him. And I use that word, you know, with a uh, with, with severity, just because if you can't remain on the court, what is the value there? Um, you know, we see guys like uh, Kyrie Irving, you know, we know how impactful he can be when he's on the court. But the problem often with Kyrie outside of the, uh, you know, the controversy is that once those injuries started piling up, they don't go anywhere. And I'm starting to kind of see the same type 
of setup with Garland. I hope that is not, you know, that doesn't come to fruition, but I don't think the Cavs can get by with a, another guard, you know, a smallish guard that is, you know, that continues to remain in, injured. It's just to me, if you're going to make a deal, you have to go big game hunting. And, you know, Simmons' name is going to be continuously floated out there until he's moved. Like I said, I'm not ready to give up on Garland, but there, there, there is some precedent there for it. Um, and into choosing, you know, Ben Simmons or, you know, possibly even building around Sexton and moving Garland for maybe a, a taller guard who, who can, you know, shoot, play, make and defend. So th- there's some precedent there for that. I, I, I cannot be the only one that thinks that. Uh, but with that being said, we can go ahead and move on. I know, fellas, we, we've all felt kind of contentious in regards to uh, Jetty throughout the years. But he started this season off, you know, playing pretty well. He has a lot of confidence and the sh- all the shots aren't falling. But it's it just it feels really good to see Jetty out there having an impact and succeeding. And so my next question, and I'll hand this uh, to Dan first. Do you think that the Cavs should continue to roll, uh, continue to roll Jetty out there, even when Windler gets back to full strength? No, I, I personally still at times frankly, rather Lamar be it. And I get it with Jetty. He started off well. He's, he's looked to be uh, very engaged. Like when he's able to get some in-rhythm stuff, that's good to see. Last year, though, he started off on fire too. And the problem is with Jetty, I, I, people think I'm, I'm like a some like Jetty hater or whatever. I, I'm just like, just saying what Are I, you a Jetty hater, Dan? Clarify for the people. I, I'm not necessarily a Jetty hater. I am a Jetty realist is is how I would put it. We know there's going to be, he will have these games. He's looked very good and and he plays really, really damn hard. I I don't, I don't discount that. The problem is, and I like him as a passer to some, I really always have, but the problem is we bank on him having like, like he'll have these like five for six games where he looks really good. And then people think like, Oh, he's just a guy you have to throw in there because he's a he's like a uh, like a bench score that you just throw out there and is just going to produce. No, he's damn not because he's going to have games where he has three to four games where he shoots five of thirty two. Like there's going to be those lulls, and the problem is, I'd be doing my damnedest to do whatever the hell I can to get Terrence Ross, and if, and I am it, I would be I would trade Jetty in a heartbeat. For like a proven guy, I'd rather the Cavs, quite frankly, sign Jane em- James Ennis, maybe, um, and give him minutes. And, and like Jetty, I, it's almost annoying that he's hitting, like having these some good games to start because it's just annoying enough that, that JB thinks he's going to like be like a godsend because he's never been that way. Like the, the inconsistencies are very glaring. Like he had to, he had five DNPs last season when the Cavs were completely injury riddled and what Windler was already kind of on the sidelines. So if Windler's healthy, he's a, he is an impact player. He has parking lot range and he's a much better defender than freaking Jetty. I mean, it's not even close. Jetty gives up. He's as bad. He is, is as bad of a defender as market. Like the guy is just physically so not gifted and, and he's kind of big and he's like fairly sturdy. But he's just so goddamn slow. I- I'm sorry for the French, but <laughs> I- I'm I'm so sick of people saying, "Oh, Jetty's back." No, he's not back. 
Amadou, is Jetty back? <laughs> um, I need to see. He did the same thing last year, and we all know how that ended. I mean, it's just he's he's streaky. He's inconsistent. These are things we know Jetty is to be. I'm in agreement with Dan. If Windler is back and he's healthy, I'd really like Windler to see those minutes. And also, I'd also like to see more of Lamar Stevens' minutes. Um, I know we talk about spacing and stuff, but at least Lamar has you know sort of a mid-range game. Um, so that that's a plus. But I'm I'm not on the the Jetty Osmond hype train. I've seen it before, so I'm gonna give it some time because we all know sooner soon enough it's it's gonna turn bad again. Uh, I guess I'm. I mean, I want to root for the guy. I mean, he's a likable dude. He straight up is. Yeah. Like, he may never be a consistent force, uh, you know, as a shot maker. And to a certain extent, though, if the Cavs, the part of the problem was, I think, over the past few seasons, that they were requiring Jetty and they were asking Jetty to do too much outside of his comfort zone. And, and what he's what his bread and butter really should be. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that can go out there and just get a bucket for you whenever you need it, never necessary. But I do certainly think that there is, you know, the underlying thought process be, behind rolling him out there for 15 to 20 minutes a night to, you know, to be a shot maker is, you know, it's there. It just, it's all going to be upon Jetty to, to make it happen. Um, I hear you with the James Ennis signing Terrence Ross. I don't think anybody would decline that trade, Dan, but I don't think that there, there, there's not a reality out there in which, you know, Jetty is just useless. I think that he can certainly be a serviceable player as long as you're not asking him to do too much. He is a decent passer, a decent playmaker. Um, I don't think he should be running your offense, obviously. Uh, at any point, as we, we saw him trying to conduct the offensive points last season when the Cavs were injury depleted, uh, when he was within the starting lineup. And you got to think, too, being constantly yanked in and out due to maybe being in a doghouse or not playing at a consistent enough level for the head coach to really want to roll you out there, that's got to mess with your confidence. And it's got to mess with your ability to go out there and continue to make shots. So I know that we've seen this, you know, this – this game before we've seen it all from from Jetty, what it seems like, and as far as consistency is is concerned. But I definitely, I'm not ready to just kind of give up on the guy yet. I mean, if there's a trade that rolls around, obviously, you know, you can't shy away from acquiring a player the caliber of a Ross. But I don't know. It's not. It's obviously not going to. Uh, cost you anything to continue to roll him out there until you do find a trade suitor. And I think he, if he is able out there to go out there and establish some sort of trade value, you know, if he does play decently and consistently enough, I think that's worth something, especially when you're considering that you have another guy, like we just talked about and Rubio who could be moved as well. So I, I think you really have to start evaluating these options, especially with Jetty's contract coming into play. You have to go out. You have to let him go out there and at least try and establish some sort of trade value. The same thing applies to Love. Same thing applies to Rubio. Uh, you know, and a couple other players on the roster. But uh, Justin, before we move on to the next question, I just want to ask you: Should the Cavs immediately roll Windler out there when healthy? Like in, in like a bench role? Yeah, not not as a starter. Because I yeah. think Markinen, as long as he continues to provide what he is until at least JB is not satisfied anymore, I think that's his job to lose. So in a bench role, a la taking Jetty's minutes. 
Yeah, I mean, it's we, we've seen Chetty over. I, I can't, I, I don't know how long he's been here, but we know what he is. We know what he can do. Um, so there's really nothing else to, for him to prove on the team. And then more of my thing with Windler is like, I, I think we all know that when he's healthy, he's a pretty good shooter. But we also just don't know what else he can do. Um, we don't know a lot about him because he just hasn't played a ton. So if I'm the JB Biggerstaff, I mean, like I said, you know what Chetty's going to give you. Um, so it might be time to look at direct, like look at Windler. I mean, look at different players at that position. I mean, I think, I think this is the last year that I think the Cavs front office and the coaching staff are kind of going to kind of get a pass that they're still rebuilding because I think next year it kind of starts to pick up. So I think they need to figure out what they have in all their players and kind of go forward with that. That's fair. I think to your point though, and in that latter point, at least that, you know, the Cavs, some of that can come into play this season. Yeah, they're going to they're obviously going to continue to get somewhat of a pass this season, like you said. But the way that the way that they played last night, if they can continue to have that same type of effort, it's not crazy to think that these guys could possibly challenge for a playing spot. And if they do, if they're in that, you know, play in playoff territory, they're going to obviously be looking at making some moves. They're going to be evaluating whether or not certain guys should be in the rotation or should be traded away. Um, there's, there's a few different guys on the roster that fit that mold right now, at least in the, Hey, will they, won't they, uh, how is this going to pan out? Should we put this guy out there to establish trade value? Should we sign this guy to a long-term extension? There's just so many question marks in that regard. And if the Cavs are able to kind of round that corner and start looking like a playoff contender, these things are going to start coming into, uh, coming into motion fairly soon. So I don't know. That's that's just kind of where I'm at with it. In regards to Lamar Stevens, um, I guess, Dan, since you brought it up, man, I'll just I'll ask you this. What is it going to take in order for the Cavs to roll him out there? Because, you know, I'm assuming based upon what you all have said that once Windler comes back to full strength, that's yet another guy that's going to be in front of Lamar. So how do you get Lamar out there? Well, you cut into Okoro's minutes, and if there's nights where he's playing little, um, either that or you cut him into uh, Markinen's minutes, and maybe you go small here and there. Um, here, here's a trade for you on the Jetty and Jetty topic. So, uh, I mean, we we've heard like Dylan Brooks, like given that they have kind of like they got Zaire. Bro, um, you know they are not going to give up Dylan Brooks. I don't know. Uh, here, so if you give up Jetty, you give up a Coro, and you give up two twos for Dylan Brooks, they wouldn't. They wouldn't maybe consider that. Oh, uh, okay. I want to hear what the rest of you have to say because I would do that. I don't know, man. A Coro, you're selling. You're you're selling on his potential already. I, I like a Coro for the record. I'm just saying, Dylan Brooks is a movement shooter. He can play in the two and three, and he's honestly like borderline all defensive team guy. Like. I know he fouls, but guys feel him. Like he is, he's going to affect primary options at the other end of the floor. He's a movement shooter. He can create his own shot. If I'm the Cavs, if I have that offer, if you're Kobe Altman, like I, I can't really blame him for pulling the trigger on that. Okay. All right. Amadi, what say you on this, man? Does, does Dylan Brooks make sense for the Cavs for Okoro? Dylan Brooks is a, is a great defender. And he can shoot the ball. So, I mean, yeah. Hmm. 
It's tough. I don't know. I yeah, like Dylan Brooks it, a lot. I would do, man. Tough. Give me a straight up answer. It's tough. Would you make that trade? I would, honestly. I would. Okay. Okay. Would. <laughs> not going to beat you I down would. over it. I just wanted yeah. to hear your your uh, your honest opinion on the matter. Justin, would you make that deal? Yeah, probably. Um, I'd also just trade Gokoro straight straight up for Moses Moody right now, but that's just me. Um, yeah, I, I, I think. Uh, I mean, y'all killing me, man. <laughs> I, love, I, I love Moses Moody. I couldn't blame him for doing that either. I, 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 I'm not going to get into it because I'm, it's the Warriors make me mad and okay, whatever. Um, yeah, I would take that trade. I, I, I just don't like the only thing I'll say about Okoro right now is I I've actually, he has a role on this team that in the future, like I could see him having a role, like coming into the year, I didn't know what his role would be. He could, if the Cavs ever got good enough, he could end up being like a PJ Tucker, but obviously like a better, like just a guy that just comes in and plays defense. Um, and possibly even sticks in the starting line if you get enough scoring around him. Um, but I don't, I definitely don't think Okoro is untouchable. And I, I would, if I was the Cavs, I'd be talking around right now to see what you could get for him or see what gauge, what his value is. By no means, fellas, do I think Okoro should be untouchable, just as I think most players on this roster shouldn't be untouchable, but I'm not, you know, those, those guys, I don't know. I I feel like that's just selling on what Okoro could become. And I know his role is still kind of in flux here. Um, And these things, these questions are going to have to be asked as the season goes on, depending upon if the Cavs are in playoff positioning. They're going to be looking to sell some guys. Uh, uh, they're going to be looking to get buyers, uh, to be buyers, just to get that first taste of playoff basketball in either post-LeBron era. I mean, that's fair. I get it. I understand. You're going you're gonna to be uh, wanting to make moves to better the team, and Okoro is probably going to draw some type of trade interest. Um, I'm just not ready to, to admit that uh, that a coral should be moved at this point in time. I think to your point, Justin, if you get enough scoring around them and some of this is a, a direct impact upon having such a smallish backcourt. Uh, but if you can get scoring around this guy, I think that he can definitely be uh, a, an impactful player, not just on defense. You just got to get the guy. You got to find him where he's comfortable at as a cutter Hopefully the shots from deep start to fall, but that's never truly a given. Um, I know that's what the Cavs were banking on when they first drafted him, that he would develop into some type of three and D wing, but he hasn't shown that this far. And I know where the, that were two years, not really even two years, we're a season and three games into it, but we haven't seen any positive development in regards to spacing for him. So I, I get it. But I'm not there yet. I don't know. That's just me. Uh, well, that being- drafting drafting uh, Sharif Cooper would have helped maximize it. That's for sure. Oh yeah, I, that's what I'm saying, dude. I think that there there's a precedent there for it. But the drafting selections that this front office has made over the past three to four seasons really, you know, it's put them in the position that they are. They are the ones who obviously chose to draft a six foot one Colin Sexton, a six foot you know, six foot one Garland in the next draft uh, and, and an undersized uh, forward or guard, whatever you want to label a Coro is at this point. Um, you know, all three are technically undersized. So they've kind of put themselves in this position. And Evan Mobley is the one draft pick who just, you know, he, he doesn't have very noticeable flaws. Obviously he's got some things that he has to clean up, but he, he was the one, of all of these guys, he's the one surefire guy that you feel confident in 
uh, being the franchise cornerstone moving forward. He was truly, you know, everybody else has question marks in that regard. Will Colin Sexton ever be a above average defender and you know playmaker? Can he add anything else outside of scoring? I think we're seeing progress from him. But there's obviously going to be a cap on what he can bring to the table defensively based on his size. Darius Garland can't stay healthy, is not truly gifted athletically, but does just enough in other areas to, to look like he has, you know, star traits. But he has to, he in order to realize that he has to be on the court. Isaac Okoro cannot hit a three ball to save his life and looks lost out there at times. So and it just, the Cavs have put themselves in uh, themselves in this position, but there, there's certainly ways out of it and moving a Coro could, you know, eventually be a way out and kind of clearing some things up, but I'm not there yet. <laughs> uh, would that I, be, I'm, a- not, I'm not there yet either. I'm just saying if there's possibilities where you can get guys like carrot, like these, like Brooks, uh, like movement shooters, like Ross. I'm not saying like, I, I'm not saying I, I, I like a core. I still do, but it's, those are conversations that, I mean, if the Cavs are really trying to like, if they're trying to really accelerate and hit the gas, I can understand them doing it. That's all I'm saying. Oh no, dude. I, I don't blame you for that. And these, like I said, these questions are going to continue to be asked, um, especially depending upon where the Cavs are. Um, they're going to be looking to sell some pieces to make the team, you know, better, depending upon where they're at contention-wise and and in their in their rebuild. So I don't know. It, it could it could eventually happen, but it, a lot of circumstances would have to be met in order for that to be the case, in my opinion. Uh, with that being said, fellas, we can go ahead and bring today's episode to a close. As always, you can reach me at it's cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and now YouTube. So make sure to subscribe. Have a good day.